You may be seated. Good morning. This morning I have the, a couple of messages, a couple of announcements. You might have noticed that Pastor Ronnie is not where he's supposed to be this morning. No, let me rephrase. He's exactly where he's supposed to be. But we miss him. Um, Even though we are not a part of the Assemblies of God any longer, Pastor Ronnie has continued to mentor some of the young pastors, some of the young uh, leaders in some of those churches. And this morning, he has gone to support one of them and uh, to be there for him, which I I so respect. Pastor Ronnie is really good about that. He's been doing that with quite a few of the young men in this congregation as well. So uh, considering that he had a word spoken over him years ago that he would be an apostle, that he would help with these churches. I see it coming to fruition in his life. Speaking of seeing something come to fruition in someone's life, this morning we are going to be blessed by a speaker that some of you may recognize from offerings long past. (laughs) But this, uh, I call him a young man, is actually an ordained minister a missionary, a campus pastor, the uh, young adult pastor here. (laughs) He is a man filled with the Word of God, rich in love for the Lord, with a blessed family. Will you welcome Kurt Bryson this morning? Thank you. Can y'all hear me? Perfect. Um. We're actually just doing a second tithes and offering, so get your wallet out. Um, I got my little backup technology here. Isn't it pretty? I figured I'd carry my wife's purse every morning so I can carry that in as well. Uh, <laughs> um, I just, I stand up here and I'm just kind of in awe of God. I look at that back row back there and 11 years ago, I walked into this church Late, I sat on that back row and I left early so nobody would talk to me. I was just here because I wanted my new roommates to like me. And so God's like providence and grace is so great that I'm going from the back row to the pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, in all, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervously excited. And I just love to stand here, and I love talking about God. I love when God gives me this opportunity to do that. And I've done it all over the world, but never at my own church on Sunday morning. And so I'm super excited to be here. Um, it was funny because about a month ago, Jeremy and Arwen were on vacation, so I stepped in for Jeremy to speak over the offering. And when I came off stage that day, I sat next to Tina, and I said, I feel like they're going to ask me to do a Sunday morning soon. And 12 days ago, they called me and asked me if I could do a Sunday morning. And some of y'all might hear right now, 12 days, you only had 12 days. Well, let me tell you why I'm grateful for 12 days. I, uh, most of y'all know I was a missionary in Kenya for some years. And I, uh, the, when we went there, we went as a team with the church. And then after two weeks, they left me there. I, I don't think it was because they didn't like me. But they, they, they left me there so for two years. And my first week there, the guy I hung around with the most was a guy named Hezron. He was like one of my best friends there, and he took me around a lot and showed me the ropes. Um, we were, he was going to this thing called an open-air revival or an open-air crusade. And what that means is 
you go to a town, you take a bunch of sound equipment, some speakers, some microphones, a soundboard, and you basically set up shop in the middle of that town and you start singing worship and preach the gospel and people just come. And so we were going, he was going and I was like, yeah, I'd like to see that. That'd be cool, man. And so we took a, about a 30 minute peaky peaky ride, which is a motorcycle there. And we went to this town called Lawanda, which stands for the rock. And so we went there, they're worshiping already. So we're, I'm just enjoying kind of like learning and seeing this for the first time. And then Hezron's like, oh, I need to go say something. And so he grabs a microphone and he speaks for about two minutes. And he goes, but enough for me. We got an American, Kurt Bryson here. He's here to give us the word today. <laughs> and I just look around and I'm like, all right, well, this is, this is, this is it, God. You called me to this, but... What does the word tell us? In Timothy, it tells us, be ready in season and out of season. And so I knew God had prepared that for me already. So 12 days, I've changed the sermon topic like 20 times already. <laughs> and so that was plenty of time. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the 12 days I had. And I want to give just a little bit of warning before we get into this message. The last time I did a Sunday message was in Kenya. And in Kenya, I start to talk like this. <laughs> because when I first started doing messages over there, I would talk real fast and they couldn't understand me because I had a translator. So I had to slow down so the translator could understand me. So I had to talk like this. And I had to enunciate and speak very clearly. And so sometimes that slips in and out. And so I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm just, it just happens naturally, Okay. And so, all right, so now we can stand. Let's get into the word, y'all. All right, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you that today that you write your statutes on the fleshly tablets of our heart, Lord. So I pray your word go forth, forth this morning and pierce any skin that needs to be pierced, Lord, and that it affects every other member of their body, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for all you are. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I started laughing a little bit because... Right here where it says a time to weep and a time to laugh. In the first service, it said a time to wee. <laughs> and I read it that way too. I said a time to wee. <laughs> so it was funny. And so today we're talking about a time to search and a time to give up. And honestly, the first thing when I heard the topic was what went through my mind was, you know how like after you've had dinner, maybe it's like 9, 9.30 at night. And you get that little hunger in you. And you know, so you go to the fridge and you look in and maybe you check the pantry and there's nothing. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go sit back down. 
Then about five minutes later, you're like, maybe I missed something. Let me go check again. And you, you, maybe you move a few things around this time to see, and you're like, dang, there's still nothing. And then you, I'm, most of the time, you give it a third try. And finally, you just have a sip of milk or a glass of water or something. Some people might put their shoes on and go to Taco Bell. I don't know. But if I thought of a time to search and a time to give up, finally, most people just give up and go to bed. And so for some reason, that's what went through my head. So at the beginning of this, this sermon, I just want you to know I'm fixing to kind of beat you over the head a little bit with Scripture because, because God can say it better than I can most of the time. And so like, I think when we talk about a time to search, we as a people are constantly in a state of searching, I think, whether it be physical or spiritual. Like maybe you've lost something, lost your keys, lost your phone, you're searching for it, things you've lost now, sometimes you just give up. Like, I don't know where it is. And you have to get a new key made. Uh, sometimes, maybe some people in here are searching for jobs. Maybe you're trying to find a different job. Maybe do something different with your calling. Maybe uh, there's young people in here looking for a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Maybe there's even some young adults looking for a spouse, someone they can call their husband or their wife. Or maybe some of the, I teach young adults, so maybe it's you're trying to figure out which school you go to. You're constantly, I think, one, and when one, one season ends of searching, usually another one begins. Like, because I feel like we're in a constant state of searching. And so what I wanted to really focus on this morning, though, was I feel like, especially with young people and they're, they're finished with high school and they're, they're really starting their life in adulthood, like, what is, what is God's will in my, for my life? Like, the people are trying to search for God's will. And that's where I want to park for a minute because a lot of times when people say that to me, I don't want to sound arrogant, but you, it's in the Word. God's will is in the word. And so I really want to highlight that this morning and just, just go through that for a minute. So the first one I want to talk about is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. We have to hold on to things that are good. We have to hold them tightly and reject the things the world, because the world is going to call evil good and good evil. That's, what, that's in the word. It's going to tell us. And we have to hold on to that word of God and hold on to what is good. Next, Luke 9.23 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This one will preach today big time, especially the denying yourself part. Because we're berated by ads and celebrities telling us to treat yourself to YOLO, um, do your best you, be you. It's telling you always, like, be yourself, follow, follow what your dreams. It doesn't matter what other people say. You're following what your dream is. You don't hear the world tell you to deny yourself. You know, sacrifice. I mean, this scripture isn't in there. It tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. I'm glad there's nobody sitting here. I spit a lot. Um... <laughs> First um, Peter 2.15, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish people. Doing good. Doing good. This is God's will for your life. What else? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Um, I love this because I love the Old Testament. Um, to act, to, to love mercy. That, one's a, I, that one really kind of struck me hard because... For someone who is a pastor, I really love seeing people get their comeuppance. 
I really, like, I want to be the administer of justice. I want to be it. I want to see, like, I mean, I, I hate to use the word, but karma. I want to see people get what I think they deserve and not what God thinks they deserve, to love mercy. Instead of being happy, they got what they deserve. Love it when they receive mercy. I feel like really a spirit of Jonah come over me because he went over to the Ninevites and they repented and he was mad about it. But we're to love mercy. We're to love it when we see God forgive. We're to love it when that happens. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you speak to people in private? How do you speak to people when nobody's listening? Do you complain? Or do you speak to them with psalms and hymns and songs? Now, please don't hear I'm saying you need to sing every time you talk to somebody. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. But how do you speak to people? What is God's will for your life? Are you giving thanks in all circumstances? Mark 12, 29 through 31, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And I feel like Jesus takes it a step further in John 15, 12, when he says, love each other as I loved you. Do you know Jesus Christ washed his disciples' feet on the way to the cross? That very night he was going to be arrested. And he tells us to love as I loved you. And so I think about like when we get to heaven and especially being the pastor of young people, I don't think the first question, Lord, is going to be like, what college did you choose? I honestly don't think, and this might not be a popular opinion, it's going to be like, what, what, what spouse did you choose? I think it's going to be like, how did you treat that spouse? And how did you honor that covenant you made before me? Did you love your neighbor? Did you tend my sheep? Did you feed my sheep? These are the questions I think the Lord is concerned with, not what college did you go to? Now, I know these are hard decisions to make, and I'm not trying to demean them, but that's God's will for your life are these things, to love your neighbor, to love like I loved. Do not quench the spirit. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. This is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. You don't have to question what God's will is. So you, he's not a magic eight ball God. You don't have to be like, God, what's the will? What should I do? What should I do? It tells us in the word what you should do. Study to show thyself as one approved. Be ready in season and out of season. Oh. Sorry. So I love this quote. This is a C.S. Lewis quote. As y'all can tell, I always talk about him during offering. I like C.S. Lewis. Put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both first and second things. There's another one he says. It says, when first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. And he's talking about marriage here. And uh, the, the quote on that one goes on to say, when I learned to put my creator first, 
then my earthly dearest is loved more because you've put your creator first. And what happens is when you put your God in between your marriage, between husband and wife, the marriage is not suppressed, but increased. And we have it right here in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When you first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, a lot of people just see that last part. That God's gonna give me stuff. You know, the Psalm, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And a lot of people just hear that last part too. God's gonna give me the desires of my heart. But what happens when you delight yourself in the Lord first, the desires of your heart change. They change, they're different. They're not the world's desires anymore. If you'd have asked me before, God, yeah, I wanted a hot wife. I want, I got the hot wife, by the way. Um, um, <laughs> I got a nice car, huge house, lots of money. And like that's, but when I delighted myself in the Lord, all the desires changed. I desired to serve him. I desired to put him first and things changed. And so what are you searching for? Are you searching for something you already have? Because you have God's will. It's in his word. It's right there waiting for you. So now it's the time to give up. Let's talk about a time to give up. And right away, some people got a little tight in their seat. Because people, we're Americans. We don't give up, right? We're, we persevere. We fight through. The word give up is not something, it's in our vocabulary. You don't ever hear somebody that achieved the American dream. What did you do? I gave up. <laughs> I gave up, so I stopped doing that. That's not the American spirit. And you can even, you can go with scripture to, to, to validate this. You have the persistent widow. She didn't give up. You have, people can use the verse, I can do all things through Christ. Saying, I mean, I'm not going to give up. I can do this through Christ. I think it's using the verse wrong, but it's another sermon at another time. Um, and so you, and you have other, you have Joshua fighting in the Old Testament when Moses' hands go down, he keeps fighting. Moses' hands go up. He was ready. He never gave up. But I think we have a reputation here at Springhouse of redeeming words and redeeming things the world has stolen. Kevin did some sermons, some, a sermon some months back about the word consequence. And right away you're the word consequence and you think something bad. But there's good consequences. There's a good connotation to the word consequence. We have Justin and Brad who are taking, try to take rap music and take it from the world and redeem it for Christ. We have a, I mean, this is Springhouse Worship and Arts Center. We are trying to take back the arts for the kingdom with theater, with song. And it, this, is, this is our MO. This is our reputation. And so I want to do that with the word give up today because it doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound fun to give up. Um, so I kind of want to get to where my path of being here, I told you I went from the back row to the pulpit and it, that, that took some years and it took, it took some giving up. And so most of y'all know I'm loud and proud about being from Memphis, Tennessee. And um, everybody, Memphis versus everybody. We don't say everybody in Memphis, we say everybody, okay? There ain't no V in there. And so... Um, I spent 27 years of my life searching for something. I didn't know what it was. I was, I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and though I was searching for a feeling. I mean, even though the whole time I was a, a 
doing that. I knew I was wrong. It was never something where I was just like, I'm a drug addict. Yeah. I was never happy about it. And I would constantly pray to the Lord. I didn't know. But I knew there was something, I was searching for something more. And finally, uh, I decided to get out of Memphis and come to Nashville. I found a job here. And I, some of y'all may have heard this story before or not, but I got on a website called roommates.com. I didn't even know it was a website. I just typed it in the address bar and it came up. And I am a, you put your profile on there and people looking for roommates find you. And I had a guy email me and saying I kind of like fit the profile of the roommate they were looking for. And we talked a couple more times. And finally, I told him what weekend I needed to move in. And he said I was going to be out of town and he sent me a key. He sent a guy from Memphis a key to his house. <laughs> um, but I moved, <laughs> I moved in and uh, I did some snooping, looking through his cabinets and stuff. And, uh, and so for those that don't know, the, the roommates were Brian Ensminger and Jeff Butterworth. And um, I am, uh, found like a photo album and they looked like they were on a mission trip. And I was like, oh crap, I moved in with Christians. <laughs> but like I said, I, I wanted my new roommates to like me. They had invited me to church, so I came. And I came a couple more times and I realized that I was a, uh, liking what I was hearing from the pulpit, but the dancers were freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the people raising their hands were freaking me out a little bit. So I was like, you know, I need to just calm down a little bit and go somewhere else, a little bit more at my speed. And so I found a church online and it was all the way in Franklin. And I went about halfway through the service, I was like, oh man, I kind of miss the dancers. <laughs> and so... I drove back and I came in and Ronnie was on stage and he was singing Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles. And I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, sorry, but um, I thought that's pretty cool. So I decided I finally gave up. I stopped searching because I had already found what I needed because we're talking about seasons here. There's a season to give up. And I gave up. But what I didn't give up, see, I gave up one thing. I gave up searching for a church, but I didn't give up my lifestyle. See, my mom was in Memphis dying of lung cancer, and I would drive back and forth. But when I'd go to Memphis for the weekend, I would literally stay up all weekend long doing drugs and drive back to Nashville like 3 o'clock Monday morning straight to work. And I was living a double life. And then when my mom passed away, it was the day after her funeral, I went to her room and I fell on my knees. And I finally gave up my life for the Lord. And I felt the Lord say, not, not in an audible voice, say, your mom loved you unconditionally, now let me do it. And I gave my life to the Lord that day. This sep next month, no, September, it'll be 11 years. And it all came from giving up. I gave up trying to live my life and what I wanted and I accepted the Lord's, what the Lord wanted for my life. And so now let's talk about my wife. Woohoo! come on, let's get a cheer for that. <laughs> so little, little side, you know, when I called my wife and told her I was gonna speak on Sunday, the first thing she said to me, what do I need to do? How can I help you? That's the kind of lady she is. Um, 
I guess it was about three years into being saved, uh, I was praying, and God, during that prayer, God promised me a wife. And my, my response to God was, why are you promise me something I don't want? Because <laughs> I never, I had the typical world answer. I didn't want to be married. I didn't want to have kids. I never saw a good marriage. Um, it was funny when I became a Christian because the first time another man told me he loved me, I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I even called him later that day and I said, what do you mean you love me? It was Bruce Coble. <laughs> and he was like, I mean, I love you. And I was like, okay, bye. Um, and so I never knew what it meant to be loved by another man. Like my dad, I think loved me, but it was never expressed in words. Um, and so, so I say, okay, God, I'll trust you. And this was like 2011. And so then I got the call to be on the mission field. And before I went on the mission field, someone prophesied over me. I was going to meet my wife in Kenya. And so what does that do to me right away? I'm walking around Kenya. Where is she? Where's my wife, God? I spent my whole first year there almost looking for my wife the whole time. Instead of focusing on the Lord, I'm searching for something. Now, I'm not saying the person was wrong in saying that, but it, was, it, it, it totally threw me off a little bit for a while. I was searching. And so I was in Kenya for two years, and I came back to, to uh, Smyrna July 10th, 2014. And me and Tina went on our first date July 17th, 2014. Yeah, we were married five months later. And the Lord's promises that started coming true. But it happened because I stopped looking. I stopped trying to do the Lord's work for him. I gave up and I let God be God. I moved out of the way and that's when God can start to work. Is when you give up and you move out of his way. You can stay there, but it's not gonna work out for you. You can have, maybe you got little small victories. It's, trust me, they're not gonna pile up to the ultimate one. And so next I want to kind of talk about my vocation and how I'm up here, which is crazy. This is, this is, it's really surreal today because like I said, I walked in this place 11 years ago and I never would have thought I would be up here preaching a Sunday sermon. Um, when I first went to Kenya, people would start, they would call me pastor and I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I didn't want to accept that role in my life. I didn't want to accept being a pastor. And they called me Pastor Cat. And so the reason that is, is because every time you use the letter R, and even in English and in Swahili, you roll it. And it's hard to say, Kurt, Kurt. And so I'd say Kurt, and they would hear Cat. And so they called me Pastor Cat, and I would be walking by uh, elementary school during the day, and I'd hear meow. <laughs> they would meow at me. And, um, but I was really fighting against that word pastor. I was, I was running from it. I, would, and I wouldn't correct people. I wouldn't be like, don't call me that. But I was, I was trying to search out something different in my life. And um, when we came back from the mission field back in 2017, I am, uh, kind of ran for ministry a little bit. I, am, uh, I don't want to say I was burnt out. I was just, uh, I was just tired. And I just kind of wanted to be, be that typical American. I wanted to work 50, 60 hours a week, support my family, be that guy that follows the American dream, even though you're working your butt off and not spending any time with your family. And I'm not saying to anybody that works real hard, that's bad. Just do what God's called you to do. 
Um, and so I was still running. I was still searching for something that wasn't there. I was trying to search outside of God's will. And so finally, I am, uh, just got to a point where I gave up. I was like, Lord, I, obviously what's, what's happening isn't working. So I just give it to you. I give up. And then it was after that, Ronnie had asked me to come. He was going to be out of town. He was running the young adult group. And he asked me to come speak one week. And so I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can come speak. And, um, and I don't know if y'all know Ronnie Talk, but um, he was like, you know, you know, you can keep coming back if you want, which means like, keep coming back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I kept coming back. And it was soon after that, he asked if I would be willing to run the young adult ministry. Um, and then after that, I was... I was working at Five Daughters Bakery and um, me and Kevin were having lunch every month because me and Kevin are friends and that's what we do. And, um, but it, what it turned out to end up being was like a four to five month job interview and I didn't know it was happening. And, um, <laughs> and he asked me to be one of the campus pastors at LCA. Now, I, need, I asked Kevin if I could say this, so it's okay. Y'all, I don't have a college degree. And I'm a teacher at a school. Only God can do that. And it came because I gave up. And I let God do what God can do. Then soon after that, Ronnie asked me to be an elder. Now, a lot of people, I told that, and they're like, oh, you're not an elder already? And... I was genuinely surprised. I'm not trying to give you a resume about me. I'm just telling you what God can do if you give up your life to him. And then now I'm up here giving a Sunday sermon to you because God is God and I'm not. And I am an heir on the side of leadership a lot of time because when they ask me, my first instinct is no. No, my flesh is like, no, I don't want to get up there and do that. But I think a lot of times we, people see stuff in me. Maybe I see something in you that you don't see in yourself because we're all our own worst critics. And I just don't, I don't see that. And I praise God that people do see God in me. And I trust that. Like when they ask me to speak, I say yes, because I trust their leadership and I trust that they're seeing something maybe I don't see. And I'm letting God be God. We have many moments in ministry. There's probably somebody here that's be, you're being discipled or you're discipling somebody, but there's going to be a day where you have to let that person go and grow, and it's going to be hard because you're going to try to hold on to it. Um, one of the good examples I have is most people know Alan still work, works with them, community servants. Um, it's a ministry in Weary Housing that Bruce Coble started 20-something years ago. Um, Bruce I gave it up. I think it was back in 2015. Now, he didn't give it up because it was starting to fail. He didn't give it up because it was hard. But it was his season to give that up. And he wasn't holding on so tightly to it. He didn't say, this is my ministry, God. This is your ministry, God. And that ministry is still flourishing today. Because God is going to be God. Um, it's successful. Like when I left Kenya, I was so worried. Who's going to do what I'm doing here? They're running fine. <laughs> They're gonna be, they were just fine without me. It's still successful. 
And if you don't remember anything from today, I want you to remember this statement right here. As soon as you start holding on to something like it's yours, it most likely is the time to give it up. There's going to be a day where I have to walk down an aisle and give my daughter up to a man. And it's going to suck. <laughs> Sorry, is that a bad word? It's going to stink. Sorry. Sorry, kids. It's going to be hard. But I trust the Lord to do in her life what he's done in mine. And I trust that God is going to give her the man that she needs. And I'm going to willingly give her up. Because we're called to give things up. We have seasons of giving up. We're going to, the, the music team can come out. We're going to close with this scripture. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. There's going to be some people out there that tell you God will, give you God will not give you more than you can handle. I don't believe that statement's true. Because this happened right here to Paul, that he might not rely on himself, but rely on God. And that is where our help comes from. We have a Savior in Jesus Christ. It says on his last, said he, he breathed his last breath and he gave up his spirit. And he did that for us. And it says in the word that if we give up our life for him and participate in the death of Jesus Christ with him, that we will also participate in his resurrection. So have you given your life to him? Is there something in your life that you're holding on to so tightly? Like Jeremy said earlier, we talk about the we do talk about tithing every week. Are you holding on to that? Where is your trust? Are you trusting the Lord? What are you holding on to today that you need to place at the altar? That you need to place the feet of Jesus Christ?